0: Boom. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it's Monday. It and sure is. you might have an awkward relationship with your work. How about with your spouse? I was totally hmm. going to make that joke. Yeah, you know that <laughs> one. All right. Well, we got some special stuff for you guys today. Check it out. Shut
1: up and sit down.
2: The Business Bros Podcast was created for you.
0: So, uh, Anita, I forgot to tell you during the pregame, James also randomly drops in uh, movie quotes.
1: How a nice day.
0: Video clips. If you ever see those. It's just uh, what we do on the show. But, James, go ahead and have fun. Here
3: it goes. All right. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Another awesome week. Ready to rock and roll with the Business Bros Pod. We're so excited to be back here today, and do we have an exciting show for you. Our guest today is a licensed therapist with over 25 years of clinical experience. Throughout her career, she's found great success in helping individuals, couples, and families discover deep, long-lasting resolutions and live the life they've always wanted, Perhaps most uniquely, our guest is a trilingual professional and offers her services in English, French, and Hindi. Our guest has learned that through exploration, understanding, and action, we can learn to be the best version of ourselves and build healthy relationships with others. We're so excited. Did I say that before? I think I did. We're so excited to have an incredible guest on our show today, and we're anxious to learn more about her. Give a warm, warm welcome to, and get ready to shoot your questions, too ask Anita Astley
0: welcome welcome
1: fantastic intro
0: (laughs) well that's just uh that's just how we roll we like to have a little fun with our with our show so since we have the capability (laughs) you might as well get it right that's right
1: let's get it on go ahead
0: so Anita, let's uh, let's jump into this. You are a licensed therapist. Why therapy? What you what sparked your interest to get into that field?
1: Okay, well that's a loaded question. Right <laughs> okay, it's a loaded question, but I, you know, the and I've been thinking about this for a few years. How did I get into this kind of crazy profession, which I love now? It's my passion. I think I was always a therapist. I'm the middle child in my family, and my Mom used to come to me with all her issues, and then my brothers would come to me. I think I was trained as a therapist at a young age. So now, and my dad used to say to me, because I would always push the envelope, I would always ask questions. And he would say, oh, my God, you're such a shit disturber, always asking these annoying questions and challenging me. And so I think, okay, I was always a shit disturber. Now I just get paid to disturb people's shit. (laughs) (laughs) But I naturally (laughs) fell into a groove. Uh, for it by my family and then my friends too so but i love it now i've been doing it for like you said 25 years i wouldn't do anything different
0: so you must have come across some bizarre situations how do you keep your cool when you come across some stuff like you can i mean i've seen your your show uh that you do on instagram Mm -hmm. uh and you i mean you've done stuff that people would just drop jaw when the type of subject comes uh, comes aboard right like but these are things that people are thinking about of so h- how do you kind of keep your cool or or decide you know what's normal not normal and you know just dis- well, you know it's kind of i i'd get kind of awkward i guess on certain su- certain you're topics but, right,
1: now. It's okay. right? <laughs> it's
0: but you relative, right? yeah it is all relative but you keep your cool
1: I, i'm sure tr- i try to but you know i'm trained i've been doing this for a long time keeping my cool is part of it but i do lose my shit sometimes with my patients because i try to keep it real you know as you guys see me here this is my personality this is who i am in session of course there's different guidelines and different rules that i follow but i bring my heat into it you know and sometimes for some people that's way too much anita so it's not a good fit and i generally say mm-hmm. hey this is not going to work out. You need to find somebody who's a little bit mo- not so much in your face because I'm like that. I'm in your face because I do believe I have to do more than just sit back and listen. So probably what you're talking about is a show that I did on fetishes and everybody mm. was like, oh, my God, she's going to talk about fetish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And then I did. I talked about all kinds of fetishes and. I had so many messages to say thank you so much for talking about that because I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. And I've never told anybody but you. So I think, okay, it's a place of privilege that I have to listen to these stories in in my office and also on IG live, even though my page is not a therapy page. I just, you know, make it fun, share my life stories, but I do have expert opinion and advice that I do dish out when people ask me. Of course, I keep it all anonymous, right? Um, But so, yeah, I touch those subjects because people are embarrassed, especially sex. They're so embarrassed to talk about sex, but guess what? Most of us are having sex. And if it's not working out, what are we going to do with it? Nobody wants to talk about it. Even in sessions. couples are so embarrassed. So as soon as I ask them that question, how often, or is there an issue? Everybody's eye contact. <laughs> I'm
2: thinking, hey, we are in
1: session here. We can, you know, you lose eye contact very quickly, but it is something that they want to talk about. They just need somebody to kind of press that button and say, and provide the environment to say, you know, guys, it's okay. We can talk about this. Everything is open book over here. Let's talk
0: about it. There are a lot of stereotypes it. when it comes to how men talk about sex and how women talk about sex.
1: Absolutely.
0: When you sit down with a couple in the in that like a therapy mode, um, how does that stereotype play out? Does it still play out in private the way we talk about it in public? Or do they have the shame eyes that tend to, you know, go away and like not well, want to talk about things?
1: I think initially they're embarrassed. I and mean, you know, everybody comes in differently. Some people are just very open, they walk in you know everything within like five, ten minutes of their sex life. Where other people, you know, I'm always surprised at when I ask them certain questions, even after six months to a year, they're still very uh They're very prudish about it, don't want to talk about it. And I have to do a little bit more poking and prodding and normalizing. But that goes back to, you know, how you were brought up with sex. If it was a taboo, like in my family, I'm Indian. Nobody talked about sex. It's like if it didn't exist, right? But it's amazing that I'm so (laughs) (laughs) open. I think I went the opposite direction, but yeah, it depends on how your parents work. Your parents talked to you about stacks and it was open environment. You're going to be able to talk about it more, but you know, the generation, sometimes I'm working with an older generation and the younger are very different.
0: Well, okay. So, you know, it is an awkward conversation to have, right? i have a 10 and an 11 year old and my 11 year old i mean she's about to get into the whole becoming a woman stage and i had this conversation with my wife about different things that we should talk about with the kids because you know when i was growing up and 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 you know james can attest to this like being able to find even things like porn or anything like that was a mission as a kid like it didn't it wasn't easily obtained (laughs) but today, it? <laughs> yeah, it's so easy. So having a discussion with your, you know, having a discussion with your kid, like for me, it's a, a, a little bit easier for my spouse. It's not as easy to be as forthcoming with, with the kids.
1: Yeah. How does,
0: how does, uh, when you, when you sit down with a couple and they're talking about that in relationship to what they talk about with their children, um, what kind of advice do you have for, for, that kind of conversation. Cause I know it could be a problem within our relationship. If maybe I'm too forthcoming with my children or the other way, maybe if my spouse is not very forthcoming with the children.
1: Yes, So then I would bring it back to the couple. I always say, you know, when things you need to be unified and I, you know, in therapy, family therapy, we call it the executive system. The executive system needs to be unified in terms of what you're going to say to your children and how are you going to say it? So if you guys are on different pages that's a problem right away. So you need to work that out mm. and get on the same page before you say anything to your daughter. Because your wife might say one thing, you might say another, and the kid's going to be confused, right? Mm. So you guys need to agree on how you're going to do that. Uh, the other thing is you need to use the proper language. People are afraid. It's a vagina. It's a penis. We can say it. There's nothing. They say that pee-pee or these cute little words. It's not cute. <laughs> <You> <laughs> call it what it is. Body parts that identify them, the way that they're termed and called so the child knows what what is the correct term. And you know, all the research lately has shown that parents who are more forthcoming about sex have teenagers who are less promiscuous. I know people think it's the opposite. If we don't talk about it, nobody's gonna do it. They're not gonna be curious. That's just this BS, it's not you, it's quite the opposite. So start talking to your wife first and then decide how you're gonna disseminate this information to your daughter.
0: Oh, we definitely have that uh, that communication thing. I think we're we're. I mean, we've been together almost twenty years, and we've been we've done a, a pretty good job of communicating things back and yeah. forth. But it was funny because I was having a conversation with uh with uh, her brother and and her uh, and and uh, my sister in law, and we sat down and we basically said, "Look, guys, it's us against them. The kids are going to team up against <laughs> us, so we need to be able to team up against them." And and that's how you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, right. But it opens up that door to communication where where all of a sudden it's like, look, you know, I'm going to I'm not only going to talk to my kids. I'll talk to my niece and nephew the same way as well, as long as we have that open dialogue that we're okay to do that sort of stuff.
1: Absolutely. And you brought up a really good point about the pornography. Yes. Way back when you have to look for the magazines and you find it and all that kind of stuff. Now it's at the fingertips. So I have a 19 year old son. And I know, you know, eventually he's going, I'm very realistic, right? I'm not thinking he's never going to look at it. I had to have a conversation about, you know, this is not realistic. These are all fantasies. Cause you know, the problem today is when people watch too much porn adults, their stimulus level is up here. Then they come to see me and they can't perform with just regular, you know, what do we call normal sex with their partner? Their, Their expectations are too high and they actually create a problem for themselves. They can't, I get an erection for a man. They can't get aroused because their stimulus is uh, the quality that's needed, is is like in a porn, which is unrealistic. So, with the kids, I think at certain age, of course, it's age appropriate depending on how old your kids are. Mine was, you know, 17, 18. So I already know he probably already looked.
0: At, yeah. And, and okay, Way ahead you. At of you. Really Sounds about
3: right.
1: Yeah, He's like, oh, mom, seriously? I'm like, yeah, seriously. This is not reality. This is a movie, just like, you know, any movie you're going to watch that's very, you know, it's sexual and that's not how it happens in most people's lives. I'll say that. It's oh, not, man. It's I, distorted reality.
0: As you're talking about your son, I've, I watched this show on Netflix called Sex Education. Have you seen that show?
1: No, but I heard about it. I have not seen it yet. So the the the,
0: the, the storyline of that show is the kid... Um, he kind of becomes a sex therapist at school because his mom's a sex therapist, oh, right? Okay. And so, when you're describing your son right there, I could imagine all the conversations <laughs> you've had behind closed doors with with clients, and then all of a sudden, you're Ooh. like shifting your attention to him. He probably feels so observed when it I'm comes like, take to this relationship. Room,
1: honey, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no <laughs> so how does uh, how does Anita the mom deal with uh, your son and and his relationships? Th- is that a conversation that you guys have often?
1: Yes. So I assume that he's sexually active. You know, I'm completely the opposite of how my parents were. They thought, oh no, no, you can't have sex before marriage. You can't have sex, period, ever unless you can procreate. So I think I'm completely the opposite, I'm very open about it because I do believe the more I talk about it with my kids of course, the appropriate age information, uh, the less like promiscuous are going to be and hopefully use protection. Right. So I'm always an advocate of, you know, I know. And I think I, I think I knew when my son became uh, sexually active and I would just have these conversations with him. and I would literally say, you know, if you need something, here's some money to go get it because that's much better than uh, getting, you know, teenage pregnancy and getting mm. the disease and all that good yeah. kind of stuff. Now I have a daughter that's, oh, she's 17. I'm like, oh, I don't think you need to date from. So there <laughs> are those biases. Yes, I have biases. I'm a mom. I do. But um, she's less curious. That's what I think, but who knows what goes on. But I'm—I think we need to be realistic when it comes to our children and their sexuality. I think if we try in this generation, especially because everything is at our fingertips, if we don't have the conversation, I think it's irresponsible as a parent because they're going to watch this and think, "Oh my God!" You know, I'm going to tell you a story. This is really funny. So my daughter wanted to buy something from, you know, Dick Sporting Goods. She's like, "I'm just going to Google dicks," and I'm like, "No, don't Google!" Dicks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: but mom, was like, like, yeah, well, you <laughs> we should have asked. <laughs> You're to ask, right? Trying to <laughs> name our name. <laughs> That's so but funny. But then we but- had a conversation because all these images popped up, right?
0: But you, you, uh I mean, you mentioned this, but you treat your son and your daughter different, and I, I say that all I the time. It. I, I, and I do the same way. I, I'm okay with it. Um, and the kids will sometimes call me on it, like you didn't, you didn't treat Liam that way, or you didn't treat me that way. And and my response is always, I treat you different because you're different people, not only Absolutely. because male and female, but their personality types, right? Like Absolutely. my my daughter is super competitive, and my son, he's just like, you know what? I'm not really about winning. I want the experience. I'm okay with that so i treat them as different people is that, is that a, a good thing is that okay
1: yes because they are different people i mean you're making a really good point and uh, okay we all have gender blind spots right i'm not going to sit here and say oh we're all equal and all that kind of stuff no we all have gender bl- gender blind spots we need to become aware of them when they're going to impact their education you know career choices and stereotypical roles within the family like if i had my daughter cleaning all the time and not my son Those kinds of things I was pretty even on. Like everybody has chores. It's not based on gender. However, they are different. And my daughter is very different to my son. She's a girl. Girls have very different needs needs than boys do. So I think you're right. And you have to listen to the child and know your child. How can I tell you what you should do with your child? Only information-wise I can tell you based on what you're telling me but well, you know your kids and they're different and it's okay to be different. Somehow we live in a society that everybody has to be equal. They have to be the same. Absolutely not. We're not the same. We're not equal. And we have to look at the characteristics and the personalities of, of your kids. Mine are completely the opposite.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like my, me and my spouse, completely the opposite.
1: <laughs>
0: opposite <laughs> yeah, they do.
1: Attract. They always do.
0: They do. They do. Okay. Well, let me ask you about quote unquote normal. Um, you know, the wife and I, we have, uh, you know, our own exclusive relationship. Everybody has their own norms. Uh, James's relationship is a little bit different. I'll open it up if he wants to actually share about that. Uh, but how, how do I define normal? Is there a definition for normal when it comes to relationships?
1: Well it depends on what we're talking about. What would you say is normal? Now we have same sex partner relationships, so I mean, this word normal, uh, it's hard to answer that question because it depends on what we're talking about. What is normal? So if we go back to the fetish show, which apparently was the most popular IG live show I, did,
3: <laughs> I I'm gonna have to go questions. back and check that one out.
1: Yeah, I gotta check that one out. Check it out, people, it's really good. So the, the number one question I had from my viewers was, is this normal? And I'm like, okay, who am I to define what normal is? Now, of course, traditional sex, it's not normal to get aroused by, the most common one is polyphilia, fetish of the feet. Uh, however, it used to be considered a sexual deviation, but I don't think it's any, it's not considered a sexual deviation anymore. And normal, and you know, if you're going to ask me as a therapist, what's normal, then I would, I would have to ask you, Back and say, well, is it interfering with your emotional functioning, your social functioning, your vocational functioning, your relational functioning? And if the answer is no, then I'm like, okay, well that's I guess normal in your relationship. It's okay. It's when things start to interfere with functionings in our lives that we need some intervention. And maybe we want to say it's not healthy and not not so normal.
0: I'm going to spin off on that because I, I, and I agree with you. The normal is, is a perspective thing. It's how you see it yourself. However, we tend to want to project our normal onto other people, right? you watching
1: my
0: IG live. Direct quote. That's, that's one of the things, that's one of the things I like about you is, is uh, what you're saying to people. It's a lot of times it's how I'm thinking. Right. So, so, uh, and, 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 For me, it's always been one of those things where you never have control over other people. It doesn't matter. You can't make them do things. You can't make them think things. You can't do any of this stuff. The only control you ever have is how you respond to any particular situation.
1: Absolutely. That's such a good point because this is the number one problem that couples have. Right, They sit in front of me and their partner will express something and they will say, that's not the truth. That's not true how can you tell your partner what they feel is not the truth there's an Mm. objective and a subjective reality right and i i use an apple for example Uh, that's an objective reality we can all agree this is an apple but the subjective reality is going to be you taste it i taste it you taste it i say it's sour you say it's sweet literally couples will sit there and say no it is sweet i don't know how the hell you can say this is on and on and on because they need their partner to think exactly like them, to taste the apple exactly like them. That's never going to happen because, you know, we all come with different circumstances in the past. Maybe, you know, if we use the apple analogy, it's so simple. That's why I like it. Maybe I always had sweet apples on my life. And this is just a little bit tart. It's going to be very different for me because of what I bring uh, to that table, to the apple, just to make it simple. So we're bringing a whole bunch of our past stuff to the relationship we're in right now. And we use that to evaluate, what our reality and what our truth is.
0: You're right. That is one of my favorite quotes to use <laughs> in my relationship. I use that all the time, right? With uh, perspective, with-
1: I tro- you didn't watch that one. <laughs> the <dance. You're> right <laughs> wrong, it's not a good dance. You don't want to be second that. It's a dance of we are different. We have a very different perspective. And in that video, I talk about, can we please get rid of this language? Language is so important. So we need to get rid of polarized language, you know? right and wrong always and never get rid of this stuff Mm. because it is not helpful and it doesn't work and words are important words matter people say oh you're getting uh you know it's just you're using language and who cares i didn't mean to say that well words are very powerful if you didn't mean to say that then maybe we need to learn a different word so i teach my couples and i teach you know i'm going to teach all of you guys out there don't use right or wrong Please try to replace that. Well, you have a very different perspective because that's really what it is. It's a very different view of the same problem, but you know you're looking at it from a very different angle.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I, I, I try to to use. Uh, I was gonna
3: say I also I also try to use I language. Yeah. So instead of saying you do this, you do that, it's just I saw this, I saw that. It's my mm-hmm. perspective my perception of things, not just throwing it at you and blaming you for it.
1: Absolutely, I statements are really important. When you're talking about what you're thinking and feeling and trying to resolve a problem, but most couples they fall into, "Well, you do this, and then you make me feel like this," rather than saying, "You know, when that happens, I tend to feel pretty hurt."
0: Because that that, that thought process, that what you just said right there, when you do this, I feel this. That is not something that normal that on the on is the regular. Normal? Yeah, is that normal? <laughs> that's not something that people think that to normal. stay right off the bat right the yeah. first thing that happens when you're in in some heated situation is you react to the other side it's their attack. fault you want to attack yes, exactly attack.
1: so what happens when we attack somebody
0: oh it makes Make it worse it defensive well, they get defensive, yeah.
1: And defensive, and then we are stuck in this attack defense mode no, dance. You know, and when I call it a dance, and people say, What's this dance word that you're always using? Because we do a dance with people, we do a dance with our partner, and I say, You know, you're doing a very destructive dance. We need to change the footwork of this dance. Because if you think about it, if we do the tango and it's not going too well, we don't need the footwork, and our partner is falling, or we're falling, we're not in sync. So we need to learn to do a different dance so we can actually fit together and get along. And it's not like being the same, no one is the same, but on some level we have to accept the differences that our partner brings to the relationship rather than seeing them as something negative to see it's, okay, it's complementary to our relationship. So I think acceptance is really important. At a certain point, people try to change the other person. You're never gonna change them if you have that mindset. And I'm a therapist, so I'm saying, of course I believe in change, but I believe, in, and I don't say change because change is huge. Or I tell somebody to change like, oh my God, it's overwhelming did not just learn to do some things differently.
0: Hmm. So how about, um, <clears throat> we're speaking of change. Like when you're doing the dance, I tend to have, I'm the type of personality who gives more of whatever You know, I make the coffee in the morning or make the breakfast or, you know, I help make the bed or whatever it is. I'm constantly in the thought process of what else can I give? Right. And, and I do it in two thought processes. One is, um, it gets done. Right. So whatever it is. Right. Uh, and, and the second is I know minute, that if, your
1: wife's calling me right now. Right, yeah. She's
0: hitting me up right now. Right. That's not true. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, she, I think she would attest to that, too. Okay, but so but the the other
1: share of
0: that. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I, in other words, in my relationship, I tend to be the one who puts out more of of that kind of effort. Right. Because okay. my love language is more of that. Right. And her language, her love language is not so much of things done. It's more of uh, like this weekend, for example, I went and bought rollerblades and we went to, you know, the park and we we were rollerblading and roller skating that to her. That's her love language, having quality an ideal time. moment, quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when yours you see-
3: is acts of service and hers is quality time.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's different. It's, yeah. it's the dance that we have. Yeah. When you're dealing with, with, uh, with clients, is there ever a sense where, and I know it's the answer here, but is there ever a sense where I'm doing more, they need to do more, or I'm not, I don't care to do more. I'm already doing enough.
1: Yeah. So that's very common because today we have dual income families, right? Everybody's working, uh, and but they expect the same outcome. And I say, listen, guys, you're not going to have the same outcome when maybe you're uh, Parents, One was at home and one was working There's somebody man and I, I don't want to minimize that at all because I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time So I know it's a full-time job. It's a lot of work If you never get a break, but today most people are working out of the house So you know, what's gonna happen inside the house and I have you know, people are always arguing about tasks One is not there's always one person feeling like they're doing more and I will have to say the research again does suggest that women uh, still do ninety nine point nine percent of the work in the house even though they're working outside the house That is so true. And I'm not blaming men for this I'm just saying there is a lack of a discussion on how these things are going to get done So they're assuming certain roles in the relationship And there's a lot of resentment and anger that builds up when there's not a conversation about it So I really have to you know break it down for them and say listen. This is really um system optimization both of you work. How are we going to make the family function better and more efficiently? Especially when there's kids involved so that million activities going on But it has to start with a conversation and that conversation has to be about needs and expectations You call it love language. I call it needs and expectations What are they and sometimes people don't even know themselves what their own needs and expectations are So if I do not know what they are for me, how am I going to expect you to fulfill them? So the first step would be that you need to sit down and you need to think about what your needs and expectations are, and then you can share them with your partner. And they're never going to be exactly the same because we're different people. So we need to tweak them that they're you know they're not going to be like this, but they're going to come over here, and then we can t- tackle the you know tasks in the house. Uh, equally, and there's gotta be some give and take on that. There has to be, otherwise the system, and this is what's happening today, where the divorce rate is so high for other reasons too. But we have this elastic and we keep stretching, stretching, stretching. Both people are working, but they're expecting the house to be totally clean, uh, healthy food on the table. The kids are all taking it's not going to happen. And that snaps. So I have to bring people down and say, listen, you have to hire people to help you if both of you are going to work outside the house. You're going to have to get some help. You're going to have to spend some money. Sometimes people don't want that. But in order to save the relationship and stop having so much stress, you need to come do that.
3: I don't even have kids. And I was talking to my wife about how excited I would be if I had somebody folding my laundry.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> my <laughs> role, dude. Oh, That's no, me role. too.
3: Me too. I, I, I love folding laundry. I watch like you Steven do. Universe mm-hmm. or whatever, you know.
0: It's my TV time. Yeah. Crap same. TV I want to watch. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So you're multitasking, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's an excuse to sit down and watch crap. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I don't feel so bad about the junk that I'm
1: watching. you <laughs> multitasking, which is good. But again, it's it needs and expectations. We need to know what are our needs and expectations and then talk about them with our partner and have them share also.
0: So, I, I mean, I know the stereotypical answer to this, but if you had to pinpoint um, maybe a little more in depth why our divorce rate is like at 50%. Uh, from a therapist's point of view, what what do you think, wh- where would that explanation lie?
1: Okay, well, I don't have the latest research on the variables of why, but why is a good question. And I agree. what I see happening is, you know, 25 years I see couples changing, and the biggest change is that everybody's working, and there's so much stress in the relationship. That people are no longer sitting down talking to each other i mean texting and i love technology mm. i mean look what's happening through technology but i do think people have replaced the conversation with technology with texting and there's a breakdown of communication when we when that happens. So there's multiple reasons I think the divorce rate is really high. People are not talking to each other anymore. They have access to information that they didn't have before, like start texting other people, and that's a violation of their relationship. They're working outside the house, both people are working outside the house. Then how are you gonna manage that household? And instead of talking about it having a productive conversation, um, they're fighting, constantly fighting. So imagine how do you save a marriage where you're constantly fighting and there's so much stress, it's like a balloon and it bursts and there's infidelity of course and now women are at higher rates of infidelity because now they're working outside the house so they have more opportunity if they're not happy at home before you know they were staying home literally was the male man was talking the only oh <laughs> <laughs> <that's actually> guy. <laughs> but now they're working and have access to a lot more men and if their relationships are not going well then that does happen by advocating that because that just creates more problems and more headaches so the multiple reasons for why the divorce rate is so high. But I always, you know, in my last IG Live, I talked about, we need to just talk. The art of verbal communication is lost.
0: Mm, and that is so true. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in I think part of it has to do with your ability to get past the uncomfortable right? Uh, when yes. you, when you talk to somebody like you and I don't know each other other than we met today, we, we go back and forth on Instagram and that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. But we don't actually know each other personally. And if we got to know each other and we hung out, there would eventually hit those awkward snags, right? Where you ask something then maybe it was inappropriate to ask, maybe it was awkward to ask or whatever. My wife gets on my case because she says, if you want an asshole, go, go talk to non. He says, <laughs> so, but it really is just because I asked the questions, right? I, I have something on my mind and I'll ask and, and then Do she'll I look think? at me like you probably shouldn't ask that, but, yeah. but yeah. I want to know. Yeah, I want to you know. know. So want to
1: know, but you want to also respect boundaries. So of course, it depends on the relationship, how intimate hmm. you are with the other person. Because mm-hmm. that sometimes it's a boundary violation, right? You have to be able mm-hmm. to know uh, when you're pushing the boundary too much.
0: And that is something that I did notice about you. There are times when you're you're doing your IG live and somebody asks a question or you get people, I mean, the comment section gets a little crazy sometimes with people, but you you <laughs> do but yeah, it's okay. Of course, but but what you do always notify them is, "Hey, we got boundaries and this is this is past that boundary point." But you at least let them get to the boundary point. Yeah. And and there's no judgment in that point. How do you keep your cool like that? Like there's a lot of people who as soon as you hit the boundary, they're recourse right there. And and then all of a sudden it becomes a Facebook fight or, you know, all of a sudden they're going back and forth. How do you maintain yourself?
1: I think it's, you know, doing therapy for 25 years where probably I'm very comfortable uh, so most people maybe their boundaries here with that kind of information, and mine is maybe over here. But I do have a boundary. And as soon as they start to push that, like ask about my sexual life, or you know, show me your feet after I did that. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, I'm not gonna send you private pictures of my feet. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> So I, like, the know, fetish I, love. I do have pictures of my feet i didn't know it was a thing until i i did the show and they're like oh you're teasing me with your feet i'm like no i'm now just posting pictures and you know maybe you get aroused from my nose or am i supposed to not post my nose face anymore so that's your issue i always say it's not my issue i'll keep posting what i'm posting and people will take away different things from it but we all have to have boundaries and there are couples and people who say i don't have any boundaries i'm so easy going that's not true. They're mm-hmm. not able to identify their boundaries and they're not strong in their identity. People mm. who don't have mm. boundaries, it's because they don't Ooh. have a firm sense of who they are. People who Self do have a firm awareness. Sense of who they are, they know their boundaries and they're not afraid to put them up there.
0: All right. Last little tip then. What are some some little tips that we can do to kind of find that self-awareness, to find our identity? What kind of questions should we be asking ourselves?
1: Well, you, it depends on where you are in your life, what stage you're at, what age you're, what age you are. And we're always evolving. I think the identity is always evolving. I don't have the same sense of identity I did when I was in my twenties that I do now. It's different. It changes. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. Our identity formation throughout the lifespan changes, but it's. Really asking yourself, what are your core values? Have they really changed? For more, most people, the core values from when they were twenty till forty, they don't really change. I don't think they really change for our life, our lifetime. It's our belief system, our core values, and our morals that define us. And identity changes depends on you know all the things that we're going through in life. Hmm. That if makes that sense. That makes any sense. Oh, that totally makes hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, and the boundaries um... change, right? I think I had different boundaries, and it depends on the experiences that I've had in life. I think we do an injustice when we're expecting people to have the same sense of identity. And you know, you know, you have kids, so you see the evolution of their identity that changes. And I look hmm. at my own, I'm like, yeah, I used to identify uh, with all these other parts of myself. I don't do that anymore and that's changed for me because I'm older, I've had kids, I've had a lot of work experience and that's changed over the years. I think we we are not fair if we're hold somebody to one particular identity.
0: I like that. I like that because it's true. I feel like uh, every 10 years I've become a different uh, individual. And I, th- I think that also parallels why uh, couples tend to change too, because they change as individuals, but they yes. don't really communicate uh, with each other throughout that change. Uh, and yeah. if you're not having those awkward conversations as awkward as they are, you're you're stronger because of them.
1: We need to have those conversations, and you make a very good point. So couples come in, and I think, okay, did you guys even talk about expectations? No, 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 they don't. Have, they haven't talked anything about any of that. But I say, okay, so you're married, maybe in your twenties, and now in your your fifty, you're operating on the same needs and expectations of a twenty. old hmm. Guess what? That's just not going to work. I used to like pie, but I don't like pie anymore. If you're going to try mm-hmm. to make me eat it. And I'm if couples have done that, I haven't told him that I actually hate pie, but he keeps buying me pie because I used to love it when I was 20. That's simplifying the problem. That's a good example to illustrate. We change. Maybe she doesn't want it. She'll say, oh, finally, i finally going to tell you, I don't want to eat pie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I use that they're afraid they don't want to disappoint the other person but in essence they disappoint themselves and they end up in this resentful uh state because they just can't talk
0: I'm going to drop my cop-out story. It's going to mess me up, but that's okay. <laughs> so when when the, when the wife and I were first uh, together, I would get her uh, a rose every month. So it would be one rose the first month, then two roses, then three that's roses sweet. all the way, right? And then after a while, she gave me this look one time, and she's like, why are you buying me roses? All they do is die. And I was like, oh, okay. And I stopped buying her flowers for like a long time. <laughs> and after that, you know, we're 20 years down the road. She's like, why don't you buy me flowers anymore? Because you said they die. <laughs>
1: Was a kind of cloud, but good for her for saying that, uh, good for her. And then you listened and you thought, okay, but you know, to have a conversation to go further would be to say, well, what is it that, you know, you appreciate at this age?
0: Well, I've, I've appreciated a lot. And I'll share this story with you, especially because you're a relationship therapist. I was reading the book called the compound effect. and, And in that book, they were talking about making small little changes in your perspective and what you do on a daily basis to enhance, uh, well, he was talking about enhancing his relationship. And so he had this thing where he, he, uh, he got a journal and he would write every day in his journal uh, something about his spouse right something some good observations whatever so i did the same thing so last year my birthday was in uh, in august so last year in august i started writing in a journal every night and i would write down everything that that i saw her do whether it was you know good bad and different what i appreciated about her whatever and and for my birthday this year i gave it to her as a present right and it sounds all good and dandy but what i tell people all the time is the process of me doing that every day is what really helped out our relationship I just so happened that that was that i was journaling the year we went into covid and we were stuck at home together and we you know all the kids are 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 at home with us now and all these things that we were journaling is kind of cool to look back on but really really the process and the ability to do that it made our relationship better yes, just because I'm taking time to appreciate her.
1: But also you shared it. I mean, that's the hardest part with couples. They don't want to share their private thoughts. Uh, mm. Okay, you, you have your private thoughts and that's okay. But if they're related to the relationship and it's not working or it's something really positive, why not tell the person? I and mean, We're very quick to point out all the things that are not working. Why not compliment each other?
0: Uh. Like why, not? why not why
1: not right? we like to hear good things i do i don't know about you guys but
0: right? always always sometimes when i tell myself i gotta believe it though <laughs> that's
1: the only difference
0: anita <laughs> it's been awesome I, I knew it was gonna Thank be fun you. talking to you today uh do me a favor for our listening audience can you tell them how they can get more information for for you
1: uh they can go to my website www.anitaasley.com or go to my instagram page ask anita asley and i'm also on YouTube, Ask Anita asley.
0: Boom. And you know, when is your, uh, your, your show, your weekly show on Instagram? My
1: weekly show
0: is on Thursdays at 5.00 PM central time. Um, so go go ahead, guys, check her out. And she does live calls. So you can call her, ask Who's questions. Calling? You can go on Instagram, post your questions. I mean, this is, this is how you get the answers that you're looking for at least, you know, lift up that first page and start digging deep into what you got going on. Yeah. You never know what kind of doors it's going to open up. Just, ask the question.
1: Absolutely. Ask questions. Don't be shy to talk. We just got to talk talk, talk. I can't see that enough. Let's have a conversation. Let's put the phone down. It's just verbal. Let's use our mouth here for talking and sharing. <laughs>
0: it's what it's That's there just... for. The gift of gab.
1: <laughs>
3: All right.
0: I don't think it means what you think it means. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> Anita, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you, so you taking much. the time. I know it's, uh, what, you're two hours ahead of us? so it's uh yeah it's 4 30 for us 6 30 for you so time for dinner (laughs) okay
1: thank you guys it was so fun to be here let's do it
2: again
0: thank you very much ladies and gents that's all we got for you guys today peace Peace bye bye
2: bye thank you for listening to the business bros podcast are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income